0: Hi, I'm Millery Condon. Welcome back. to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. G-MIGS, 5th Street Pub... Awesome daily special, lunch and dinner, soup. Boy, soup sounds good today. Yeah, it does. A specialty State Fair raft pasta and their all-world prime rib. That's Friday night at G-MIG's, 128 5th Street in Historic Valley Junction. Come and enjoy. Check them out. G-MIG's in Valley Junction. Adam Emenecker, momentarily. David Eicholt on the Hawks in about 10 minutes. David Kaplan on Chicago Sports, bottom of the hour. Trent's Play of the Day Circus Sports sponsors those. Busy hour ahead. Let's get right to our guy, Adam Emenecker. Adam, Trent, and Ken, Uh didn't go the dog's way the other day. Go over to the Cloud Center. Uh, any hope, I think, of um, you know a an at-large bid coming from the Valley probably ended. It was going to be an uphill climb anyway, but um, uh, going to be tough for whoever doesn't cut down the nets in St. Louis to hear them called on Selection Sunday. But give the Panthers credit as they took it to the Bulldogs. Good to talk to you, Adam.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that, Ken. And, you know, I, I think the uh, we, we kept talking about over the last few weeks you get to February and March, nobody wants to play against the Ben Jacobson coach team. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, that that tends to play out year in and year out. And, uh, you know, Drake ran into that in, in Cedar Falls last week. And, you know, you mentioned that uh, maybe that ends the possibility for an at-large uh, for the Valley. Indiana State is still sitting at 31 in the net. Mm-hmm. Now that they're healthy, they have to make sure they get all the way to the title game. They're still going to be in the argument at least, but to your point on Drake, I, th- I think it's going to be a. There's going to have to be a lot that breaks Drake's way in order to even be considered for an at-large bid if they don't win the whole thing in Arch Madness.
2: Yeah, the knock for Indiana State just one in three against Quad One and hard to. Stack that up against all the opportunities, obviously, the power conference teams get throughout the course of the year. And we were talking a little bit earlier in the net and the ranking system that is now used. Efficiency numbers are a big part of it. Maybe there's some some trekkers out there like the Mountain West did with the old RPI system before that went away. How do you combat that? You're a smart guy. You're a very good with numbers. Is there some kind of cap, something that you can do where... When you take on Mississippi Valley State and won by 50, you cap it to a certain degree.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think, unfortunately, Trent, there's always trade-offs, right? There's trade-offs to everything. Nothing is going to be, no system is going to be perfect. No formula is going to be perfect. I do think we're better than we used to be. But, I mean, a lot of it comes down to who are you scheduling, how good is the team you're scheduling, and are you winning those games, yes or no? Now, I, I think a lot of coaches, if you're talking in kind of what's traditionally been m- the mid-major ranks, the mid-majors would say, especially as you think about some of these efficiency numbers, that they are incentivized, like, okay, let's say, l- let's look at that Northern Iowa-Drake game, right? Northern Iowa kind of started to run away with it at the end. Well, given up 91 points for Drake, at the end of the game, it was kind of over, right? Drake three minutes to go, four minutes to go, starts fouling and trying to get a chance Mm -hmm. to get back in the game. But you are incentivized to lose by six, not lose by 15 or 20. Or if you're down 15 or 20, rather than take your best players out of the game, in some ways you're incentivized to play to the final whistle, even if you know you've already lost. And so, you know, I, I think that stuff is tough I think sometimes it's tough to, to not have as many quality games in conference play that you do if you're in the Big 12, where every stinking team in the Big 12 <laughs> is pretty competitive this year. There's no perfect formula. you know. I, I think the coaches are understanding and resigned to that fact. But uh, you know it, what you would like to see is the NCAA trying to figure out a way to make it a little better every year unfortunately I'm not I'm not sure that's always the the, the thought process in the past
0: uh, we are a week away a little bit more uh, from the uh, the banquet in st. Louis where they'll hand out the hardware you were the uh, Larry bird trophy winner in your senior season uh, uh, Xavier Johnson I want to say he's clinched, but he's got to head to St. Louis as the favorite, or does DeVries still have a, a chance to do it again? Where are you on uh, on the Larry Bird trophy? Who do you think right now is in the driver's seat, Adam, Emmenecker?
1: You know, I. so what's funny is, it's it's funny that you mentioned that, Ken. It, I, I started going through last weekend and just trying to get my lay of the land for, for voting for player of the year, first team, second team, newcomer, freshman, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I came up with 24 guys Jeez. for the top 10 spots. Wow. Uh, when, I, when you think about first team, I think two of the three that you just mentioned are pretty clear, right? I think Xavier Johnson is very clearly going to be a first-team all-league guy. Tucker DeBreeze very clearly going to be a first-team all-league guy. The other guy that's going to get some conversation Shope. for player of the year is Robbie Avila. Uh-huh. I think part of what Indiana State, uh, most of the time, the team that wins the conference gets player of the year as well. I think Indiana State is almost a victim of their own success in that they have really five guys who you could make an argument belong on first team or are their best player for various reasons. I think if I'm voting today, and again, there's still a couple games to go, if I'm voting today, I think I vote for Tucker DeVries. Mm. And part of it is when you look at the combination of individual success and team success, Xavier Johnson has been his team's offense, leading the conference in scoring, leading the conference in assists. Those are gaudy numbers, and he was an all-defensive team uh, selection a year ago. I think Tucker DeBreece has had similar type of load to carry, but his team is also a little higher in the standings. To me, that's what gives a little bit of a nod in tiebreaker, but we're talking about just really nuanced differences between those two. And, you know, if Robbie Avila has a great final week of the season, Indiana State ends with the one seed, let's say maybe Drake – two games left stumbles in either one or both of those that maybe changes some of the calculus as well so plenty to play for both in terms of team seeding and as we're talking about some of the individual accolades down the stretch
2: so we know indiana state and drake they will both go in as the two prohibitive favorites to win this in that next tier out of bradley siu and now you and i you mentioned the panthers late in the season who has the best shot of those three teams of cutting down the Nets, of winning the whole thing and punching their ticket into the NCAA tournament?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I think all of them do, right? I think every single team you just mentioned in that top five is going to go into Arch Madness thinking, hey, we are right there, especially for Northern Iowa if Titan Anderson is going to get 18 points and 18 rebounds like that, right? (laughs) When he plays like that, it adds a different dimension to that team because – it gives them a little more of that interior athleticism pop and presence and some of those extra positions that Northern Iowa needs. But I think you look at SIU, the only thing I worry about with them is as great as Xavier Johnson is, to have to shoulder that load, both in the expectations on the defensive side, but to take all the shot creation for that team for three straight days, man, that is a heck of a burden, even for somebody that's in college, right? So I think that the team that, has the best chance to win because of their balance, because of their size, because of their athleticism, is Bradley, if we're talking outside of Drake and Indiana State. And the other thing that we've seen from this Bradley team, Bradley has probably the best win of any team of the Valley in the non-conference beating Utah State in, I believe, the second game in the year. And even though they've struggled, they haven't looked like themselves as much down the stretch. They're just three and three in their last six. This is a Bradley team that we know can get hot, we know they could win. They've won 10 in a row this year or eight in a row. We, they can win three in a row as well, and they have the balance and some of the pop off the bench that you just don't necessarily see with SIU and Northern Iowa.
0: Uh, what do you uh, attribute Overton's, uh, because he's been really good, let's be honest. This was uh, He just struggled to shoot the basketball. Just one of those days where Overton just couldn't get anything to fall uh, against Northern Iowa?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think part of it, there's, there's a few things. One is, you know, he's, Obviously the pressure on Kevin Overton has been different as the seasons went along, meaning you get into conference play and they're going to figure out ways to try to take away what you want to do. And so the space that he gets to catch and shoot that he had earlier in the year is generally less. So he was 0 for 6 from 3 against Northern Iowa. He's just been less consistent in probably the last six weeks or so. Some of that is defenses and defenses scheming him differently challenging him differently all that kind of stuff and some of it is you know he's a freshman we have these expectations that people are at their best and at their greatest all the time he's still averaging 12 a game on the year Mm -hmm. the thing that i like to that i see from kevin overton that i like the most even when he struggles on offense he is still playing his butt off like he doesn't play himself out of the game because he's finding ways to contribute defensively. He finds ways to contribute rebounding. And so even though he ended with only five points, 0 of 6 from three, still got to the line a few times, still ended up with 20 t- 29 minutes that he earned on the floor.
0: Good stuff, Adam Emenecker. We will speak with you next Wednesday. The Drive with Heather and Sean uh, got you at leave on Friday, so we'll listen for that. Adam, thank you. Appreciate it as always, Adam Emenecker. Thank you.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, guys.
0: Yep. Good to talk to you. Adam Eminekers. We take a weekly look at the Valley. It's sponsored by our friends at G Migs in Historic Valley Junction. Look, if you're looking to get the weekend off to a great start, um, looking for a place for breakfast, maybe G Migs had never popped into your head that, well, let's go to Valley Junction. Will they have a terrific breakfast? It starts at 8 a.m. You're going to love every bite. I know I did. G Migs location, 128 Fifth Street in Historic Valley Junction. G Migs. Uh, sponsors our weekly conversation with Adam Emenecker. Let's talk some Hawks, shall we? David Eicholt uh, joins us, HawkeyeInsider.com, part of 24-7 Sports. We'll get to the minute in a second, uh, but good to speak with you as always, uh, David Eicholt. So I saw something that uh, I think Doc was the first one to put it out there. It came from the conference. Um, most watched women's basketball of all time. Six different networks have set that mark. ABC. <laughs> The Big Ten Network, Fox, Fox Sports One, uh, Peacock, and NBC. A lot of folks want to tune in and watch Lisa Bluter coach. That's what it tells me. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty
3: insane stat when you really think about it, too. And it's it's even funnier to me because you think about some of the fan bases that have you know gone to see Iowa, gone to see Caitlin Clark play. And then they try to tell Iowa fans that's not because of Caitlin Clark, it's not because of Iowa. It's simply because they support women's basketball, even though some of the time it's the first sellout they've ever had yep. in the arena or maybe the first one in a decade or in their new building. But you know, regardless and painess aside, I think it's just great that, you know, being able to cover a team and kind of just be so proud of the way that You know, the Iowa's helped the state of Iowa, not even just Iowa Hawkeyes, but Iowa State women's basketball. The state has really rallied around trying to be the forefront of pushing women's athletics. So it's a compelling stat. I don't want to say necessarily it's surprising because we've seen all the ratings, but it definitely is eye-popping when you see it all in one graphic. And, you know, Caitlin Clark being from Des Moines, too, I think it makes it even that much more special.
2: No doubt about it. We see good MVC hoops with you and I and Drake, and Drake running away with the Missouri Valley again. It's been incredible to see, but it's coming to a close. What do you think the scene's going to be like inside Carver Sunday? Mm. We know there will be two NCAA tournament games inside there, but that is different. What's it going to be like? The pomp and circumstance, everything leading up, and the likelihood. Caitlin Clark's last game is, yes, she will be going through the ceremonies, though she still will have a decision to make.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a special atmosphere, and it's kind of strange, too, when it comes to women's basketball, just because, as you alluded to, they actually get to host two more games, so it's not, it's senior day for the regular season, but it's not going to be Kate Martin, Gabby Marshall, Molly Davis, and Caitlin Clark's last, and when you really think about it, too, the entire backcourt could potentially be leaving. I mean, it's going to be a new era of Iowa Hawkeyes women's basketball next year, but you know, I've gone back and forth on this. I truly believe that Caitlin has not made up her mind if she's going to the WNBA or not. But if you had to ask me today, I think it's a 65 to 70% chance that she does depart. I will be a little bit surprised if she does come back. I think the stars aligned for her to really help propel the WNBA viewership. Aliyah Boston Alyssa Smith as being a core three in Indianapolis. I mean, that's a pretty darn good young group Uh to really kind of lead that charge and kind of the resurgence of that franchise as they look to get back to the WNBA playoffs and beyond. So I think it's gonna be a special atmosphere. I the get in price I believe is four hundred ninety seven dollars by front <laughs> office sports. It's the most expensive women's basketball event in history at any level. So it's going to be special, it's going to be loud, and I think revenge is going to be on their mind yeah. uh, going against Ohio State because Iowa had that game won mm-hmm. before Mc- you know, Connie McMahon really took over down the stretch, and You know, I don't want to sit here and try to put more pressure on Caitlin Clark, but I will be surprised if we don't see an absolutely special performance from her on Sunday.
0: Yeah, Fair point, fair point. Let's get to last night. Uh, Peyton said it's hard to believe that it's never been done before. Did you? Were you aware that uh, no Hawkeye had ever uh, recorded a triple-double before? I certainly wasn't. And on a night, he shoots 3 of 11, but 18 and 19 (laughs) from the free-throw line, and then the 10 rebounds, 10 assists. Uh, I I wasn't aware of it. What a performance. Performance uh, by Peyton Sanford as now a Hawkeye. Uh, that uh, stat is no more.
3: I think everybody was surprised in the media section. I mean, because you think about how many great players have come through here. I thought Ronnie Lester would have had at least one. You know, maybe Kenny Arnold I thought would have one. We knew with Luka and Keegan, they got close a couple of times, never got it. Jared Utah, I believe, got close once with blocks, points, rebounds, and blocks. So they have to double-check that, but... I really went through a lot of the game logs and went through the players because I was astounded at that stat. But, you know, Peyton really was on course very early, and it was a very strange game for him. I believe his career high for most made free throws hanging into that game was 7. He had 18, right? <laughs> you think about his assists. He had a career high of six assists. He had four in the, He had five in the first four minutes. You know, he was wheeling and dealing, and he really was not taking any credit whatsoever. He said, my assists were simple. Give the ball to Josh Dix. And he did. Josh Dix was not missing anything last night. So special performance. And I think you think back to Peyton Sanford from a few weeks ago and all the criticism that was around him, specifically his defense on that defensive breakdown with Jameer Young and that Maryland loss, which, you know, right now is helping keep Iowa on the outside looking in for the NCAA tournament. But Peyton Sanford's really turned it up. I mean, it was a special performance. It's a kid that I think's really emerged as a primetime leader on this Iowa team. And I do think at this point he comes back next year, but I'm going to be surprised if he doesn't go through the NBA draft process. The the scouts are really enjoying him right now. And I think he fits in with the NBA and I think he's put a lot of work in improving on the defensive end. So it was an incredible performance in a must-win game, but you know what? They got three more must-win games to go in my Mm -hmm.
2: opinion. Yeah. It needs to continue here and it goes to Northwestern, a place where nobody has been able to go into and win. Now, this is a different team. Ty Berry is out for the remainder of the schedule, but unfortunately for Iowa perspective, Boo Boo still going to be there. What's it going to take to upset the Wildcats this weekend?
3: Man, Boo Booie, I feel like he's been at Northwestern longer than I've been on this beach. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, like, he's like the Jordan Bohannon of Northwestern. But, you know, you talk about a guy who really was almost unplayable his first year and has emerged as an all-time great for that program. But I think Josh Dix, in the way that he's really revolutionized his game offensively. He's playing with the most confidence of his entire career. That first half was something special last night. But Brandon McCaffrey's also said he's Iowa's best perimeter defender. I think they're going to need to really lock in on him. And I think you also need to lean on your senior emotional leader. Iowa needs a big performance from Tony Perkins. They did not need him last night. He had a couple of big buckets down the stretch. But over the last week and a half or so, I don't want to say he's disappeared. But he hasn't been that you know, 18 to 20 point score, five rebounds, five assists, guy that we've become accustomed mm-hmm. to seeing over the past six weeks. So I think Owen Freeman is going to be there be right. I think Ben Cricky is going to have a bounce back game. But I think the game's ultimately going to be won or lost if Tony Perkins puts together one of his special performances because Northwestern is very tough at home. But Iowa, it's, it's win or go home at this point.
0: Fascinating. Uh, I, I hate to look ahead to next year with this team, but I found myself last night doing it, mm-hmm. especially if Peyton comes back. You're seeing uh really emerge. You see Freeman banging under the basket. Know that he's going to get better, and the officials are you know, going to cut him some slack now that he's, I guess, paid his dues, what he has to do. Harding's got an attitude to him, and he does. He's got that, and I like that about him uh, in, in the point guard. He wants to face Brody Breck for crying out loud. Did you see that? Yes. <laughs> I mean, he's fearless, right? Boy, it's, it's kind of, yeah. I'm not writing off the season, but at the same time, you can tell why there's some optimism for this squad next year.
3: You know, and I, I wrote a column about this to our subscribers after the Illinois game, and I, I, ha- I hate saying, looking ahead, and there's a silver lining, but I think there's a lot of confidence in this team going forward. And last night, Brock Harding just continues to remind me of you know uh, the former point, uh, NBA point guard Jason Williams, white chocolate, oh, yeah, that yeah. pass he threw to Owen Freeman under the basket. Just really put him side by side. It looked exactly it really right. That, you know, that right.
0: was highlight, yes.
3: Yeah, he, he's got an attitude to him in the best possible way, and he's really emerged as a leader. Fran McCaffrey talked about earlier this week, but Owen Freeman's going to be an all-conference guy next year. I think Iowa needs to go all-in with keeping Tony Perkins. Price Sanford. I think it's been an underrated storyline here over the past three weeks to a month. You think back two months ago, he was barely getting any time. I don't want to say it was unplayable, but he did not have confidence. He's really playing with a lot of confidence right now. How about Logie Dembele as well? Mm-hmm, we yeah, Touched on him. I mean, he hit the big three-pointer last night, had that full-court pass when he was being trapped, which was a really impressive. Maybe QB one there. Uh, but Iowa has a lot of young pieces that give me optimism that it could be a top-four, top-five team next year and that's without throwing Cooper Koch in the mm-hmm. fold next year, who could get some run with his shooting ability. So not to write off this season, but I'm almost with you. Like, There's a lot of internal, and there should be some external optimism about where Fran McCaffrey could take this team next year.
2: More likely in the portal. Now, I know a part of it pertains to Tony Perkins coming back, but when they're shopping, are they looking more for a point guard or a center in the portal coming up this spring?
3: Yeah, I think that's going to be the big question. Yeah, I think chance. it's going to be right now. I think right now it's going to be more focused on replacing Ben Cricky. I agree. And that role, just to get more of a perimeter-based four. And, you know, we'll see what Cooper Koch has yeah. to say. We'll see what Chris Paggio has Tadjo, to say. Yeah. I mean, they do have some guys that can take a big step forward. But let's say Tony Perkins leaves. Uh, Desante Bowen is out for the remainder of the season. Frank McCaffrey told us last night he's been dealing with a lingering knee issue, which answers the question as to why he's not played. But I'm also curious. I don't want to sit there and say this is why I'm hearing because I'm not hearing this, but I'm curious if, you know, Desante Bowen sees, you know, greener pastures or maybe more of a, Mm -hmm. you know, more playing time somewhere else if Brock Harding continues to emerge. So if Tony Perkins departs, you know, it, we'll see what happens with DeSante Bowen because I think there's a lot of love between the Iowa program and DeSante Bowen. Uh, but if they lose them both, I mean, I think you have to enter the portal for, for a point guard because I think when you look at this team sometimes, they need that four general to kind of keep them under control.
0: Good stuff, David Eicholt. Appreciate your contribution. As always, we will uh, talk to you down the road. HawkeyeInsider.com. Uh, thank you very much, David.
3: Hey, I appreciate you guys. Have yep. a good
0: week. Good to talk to you, David Eichholz. We check in on the Hawks. We'll check in on Chicago sports with the Capman. David Kaplan is next. Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors. It's Miller and Condon on 106.3. Hi, Millery Condon. Welcome back. Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KX and O. and Stone of Iowa sponsors our weekly conversation with our guy on Chicago Sports. He's David Kaplan and he joins us. Cap, Trent and Ken, thanks for coming on. Uh, I guess we will start Cubs with Bellinger walking into camp this morning. Uh, done deal. Um, good that they got it done. Cap, I think it's a, a contract that, uh, very team friendly is how I look at it. How about you?
4: Uh, I think it's friendly for both sides because it's still going to allow Cody to he's not even 30 yet to get the free agency again next year if he chooses to he's making 30 million dollars a year and if heaven forbid he plays poorly or he ends up you know for whatever reason getting injured that 80 million guaranteed dollars so yeah it's great for Jed if he decides. You know what? I got this prospect coming, Kevin Alcantara or whoever, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna move on from Cody. He opted out. We're not gonna re-sign him. Great, you get him off the book. So I think it protects both sides.
2: It does, and the flexibility that it affords. If it turns out that Pete Crow Armstrong can swing it at this level, I mm. got center field. He can move into first base. If it turns out that hey, you need the flexibility financially going forward for a free agent and. 25, 26, that route can be had as well. So it helps out in that front. What was the likelihood? Was there any kind of likelihood that were the Cubs just unwilling to even go five years with him? Was it as simple as that?
4: They were never going to go five years. I told you guys this did. eight eight weeks. They were never going to go that type of length of contract. Just wasn't going to happen. I completely agree with them. I wouldn't have gone that long. I've told you that. And I think I told you a week ago, if they get this deal done, it's going to be like a Carlos Correa style deal, and that's exactly what it is for less money.
0: Mm. You know, Cap. There was a of the of the uh, kind of uh, lesser known signings, uh, guys, uh, depth chart guys. I really like what they did yesterday with Garrett Cooper. This guy, he had some. Uh, Uh, some moments last year as a Padre. What it means, at least how I see it, it probably blocks the path to the majors, at least with the Cubs, for a guy like Matt Mervis, who you can't get out down here in Des Moines. I mean, balls are flying over the fence, uh, seemingly game after game. Um, He might be a quadruple play, quadruple A player, right, when it comes to Mervis. Is Mervis blocked? And did you like the Cooper signing?
4: I liked it. I mean, look, there's guys getting desperate. Guys are, you know, these private camps whether it's the scott boris academy or wherever they're working out and guys are like i gotta go back to work and he's a pretty good baseball player to get him on a minor league deal Mm -hmm. i mean if he has a bad spring you go you know what we're out or he has a really good spring and you go yeah we just don't have room for you because oh my goodness matt mervis had a good spring and michael bush had a good spring and cody bellinger's healthy like you can trade him and get something back. I'm not telling you you're going to get Shohei Ohtani for him, but you never know what the future holds. So, yeah, I thought it was a, a really
0: astute signing yeah. by the Cubs, and then we'll see where it goes. Might this also mean an end to Patrick Wisdom, who now he's got a bunch of guys in front of him at first base. Third base, I think they're going to try and give it to Christopher Morrell. Madrigal was okay there defensively. Um, what about Patrick Wisdom? Is, is he in a fight for his job?
4: Oh, absolutely! They're not paying him any money, so when you're at 233 million or wherever they're at now, you can 1,000 percent say, "All right, Patrick, uh, whatever he's making a million five—that's great for us."
0: But a right. uh,
4: major player, that's not that much money. They can easily move on or trade him or just release him if he doesn't play
3: well.
2: Cap. The bullpen continues to be something that we've talked about a lot. Neres the signing, Ken and I both really like that one. But the depth of the bullpen, Lighter has been okay. Alzalai on the back end. Just as a whole, kind of your thoughts on this bullpen and if it's good enough to contend and not just you know, win a division that could be down and win 85 games, but can they help out and push them and become a good bullpen by the time we get to August, September?
4: Yeah, that's look, they've never really struggled at developing relievers. I mean Fair. You just go back through it, and they've done a really good job at these reclamation projects. Whether it was Michael Fulmer, he's now with Boston, uh, or um, Mark Leiter Jr. Like, there's they've done a good job at getting guys resurrected. So, yeah, I think they can, and they also have the financial flexibility mm-hmm. that they, if they have to, go get one.
0: Yeah, I like Quas when he came over from the Royals uh, last year, uh, in in the middle of the season. Well, uh, let's switch to football. Cap Peter King, um, I mean, is as big of a name right as there is in in NFL media circles. He thinks that the Bears are going to trade the first overall pick and stuck stick rather with Justin Fields. Um, he's a I think the only one uh, of, of his ilk that is willing to go down that path, when you saw what Peter King wrote, um, did you think, well, probably I see why he's retiring? <laughs> or did you think, I wonder if there's something to this?
4: Absolutely nothing to it. Nothing. And then I listened to Peter do multiple interviews yesterday, and he was asked about it. And he said, I actually, haven't talked to Ryan Poles. I know nothing about this. I'm just guessing based on what he did last year. Peter said, "I'm not at the combine. I have zero interest in the combine. I didn't care who got hired in any of the open jobs. Mm. And that's when I knew time for me to retire because mm-hmm. I don't care. So no, I thought it was Peter's the best. He's I agree, awesome. Yeah, but that take was ridiculous.
2: So nothing to take away from that one. Is it a foregone conclusion? It's Caleb Williams that's happening, and now it's just what kind of compensation they can get for Fields. It's yes."
4: Yeah. When your general manager stands up yesterday to the Chicago media and then to the national media and says, look, we want to do right by Justin, and they're asking him about trade talks. Yeah, you know, I've gotten some calls. We really haven't gotten any firm proposals yet, but I'm going to keep his team apprised. He's telling you, done deal. Mm-hmm. Justin's out of here. There is zero chance, in my opinion. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, and I'll be the first to admit it, but I don't see any scenario that Justin Fields ever plays for the Bears again.
0: Caleb Williams, cap. There was a report I don't know ten days ago that he didn't really. wasn't really too excited about being a Bear. Yeah, yesterday it was complete opposite. Who started that? Uh, that reporting that he didn't want to be a Bear?
4: Idiots in our business. Hmm. I mean, it, it, absolutely nonsense. Did you read the Pete Thamel article this
0: morning? I did. Yes. I mean. He said, I have
4: no agenda. Right. Chicago controls the draft. And I have. To, if they pick me, I'll be excited. If they trade me and I go somewhere else, I'll be excited. I want to be, what was his word? Immortal. Mm-hmm. I'm not in this about the money because he's going to make the money. The money is a foregone conclusion. That's not why he's chasing this. He wants to be the best. And he is excited. You could tell. He did his research. He goes, I like deep dish pizza. I've been going down the YouTube yeah. rabbit hole of
2: Jordan Walter and Peyton. Michael yeah. Jordan. Yeah. Yeah.
4: I, I'm all in on this kid, and I believe the Bears are too.
2: That swagger, that bravado, bringing up the not just greats, I mean, next level greats, Walter Peyton, MJ, those kind of things. Do you like that kind of bravado before guys even played a snap or professional football?
1: Yeah. Well, if you
4: didn't have that kind of bravado. You'd be like, I don't know, is this guy ready for this market? Mm -hmm. Oh, God, I think it's the absolute greatest. No, he's got to go out and perform, but guess what? I think he will.
0: Uh, What are they going to do with the nine-pick, Cap? There's going to be, I think, a a bunch of opportunities to either trade it outright or move down a couple of spots, Uh, but i got to think the nine-pick is uh, that they're open for business at nine. Do you get that sense?
4: No, I do not. You don't? unless the guys that they want is not there because they want a receiver. And if Malik neighbors, Roma Dunze, there won't be Harrison there. If one of those dudes is available, they are taking that receiver. Now, could they go up from nine? Absolutely. Oh. They could. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things we're hearing is they go nine to eight, and then they give fields to Atlanta and they get something else, a second or third round pick. Could that happen? A hundred percent. They want a big-time receiver. I don't see them trading capital to get Tee Higgins, and I think they really like Malik Neighbors. I think that's their first choice if they could get any receiver. So we'll see.
2: I think everybody likes Malik Neighbors. He (laughs) is an absolute stud. Uh, What about free agency-wise? They have a ton of money under the cap right now. I saw they were offshore the betting favorite to Leon Chase Young. Uh, if he is, doesn't go back to San Francisco there, what are they going to do with that money in free agency?
4: Yeah, I would be shocked if they brought in Chase Young because Good. they backed off of trading for him last year uh-huh. because his medicals are so bad. He's, if you told me they'd take him for one year to try and win a Super Bowl, that's what San Francisco did. But give him guaranteed money going forward? No, I can promise you Ryan Poles won't do that. That would be shocking to me.
0: How about Hunter from the Vikings? I've I've heard his name mm, that associated.
4: That? Now you're talking. Yeah, right? They like him. There's a couple of other guys that they are very intrigued by. Uh, Christian Wilkins, I think, at Miami. Oh, that's a good at, one, yeah. Uh, at Houston. I don't know if the kid from Miami is going to get freed, mm-hmm. but the kid from Houston is available. Mm-hmm. They are going to upgrade that other defensive end.
2: Hawkeyes are making their way to your city coming up. Well, Evanston coming up this weekend. I'm sure you guys got a full breakdown of Iowa Northwestern coming up tomorrow, right? What what sport is
0: this? (laughs) We were over
4: three hours yesterday, three hours Monday, three hours today, and we did... Out of nine hours of programming, eight hours and fifty-six minutes with the Bears.
0: I'm not surprised. Yeah, Cap. I want to go back uh, to to the weekend uh, for for a couple of things. Patrick Kane coming back, or was it Monday, or was it Sunday? Wasn't they have was Sunday night? A, the game wasn't Sunday. nationally televised, which is just shocking to me. Um, mm-hmm. Patrick Kane, and, and who? How else is he going to end the game, right? But didn't break away in overtime, three on three, a beats pass from Alex the which was, was, was former Hawk, uh, former Blackhawk, which was incredible theater. Chris Chelios you know he's either the I don't know how you rank them, right? Nobody's ever played more. Ga- no American has ever played more games in the NHL. As good a captain as there was a Chicago born kid, blah, blah, blah. I get it. Patrick Kane's an American. He's got the three cups. Austin Matthews, I believe, will be the greatest American. will go down as the greatest American NHL player. But on a day you didn't have to, you, 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 raised Chalios' number to the rafters. Patrick Kane is back in town. No national TV. I was just dumbfounded by that Cap.
4: Yeah, I was surprised by that, too. I disagree with you on Austin Matthews, and he's a great player. He's
0: going to score 70 this year.
4: Okay. Patrick Kane will go down as the greatest American-born hockey player of my life.
0: What if, what if Matthews gets a couple of cups? I agree with you. He doesn't have those yet, and that is obviously a measuring stick.
4: Well, let's revisit that when He has three cups, <laughs> an MVP trophy, and yeah. Stanley Cup-Con-Smite trophy, then let's revisit
0: it. No, that's fair. I mean, he doesn't have the hardware yet, but man, oh man! Uh, and Patrick Kane, I'm—I sound like I'm uh, cri- being critical of him. He's unbelievable, and what an event on Sunday! I'm glad I watched it. Cap, good stuff, my friend. Uh, talk to you next week, Capper, if not before. Thank you, buddy.
4: Hey, one quick thing. Yes, Congrats sir. Congrats to uh, Fran McCaffrey's son.
0: Yeah, Patrick.
4: He a thousand points. Yep. He battled cancer. I love Fran McCaffrey so. Super cool for his
0: son. Absolutely. Yes. Good stuff, Cap. Thank you, bud.
4: See
0: you. Yep, take care. Nine hours of radio, eight hours, 56 minutes on the Bears. <laughs> are you surprised? Not a bit. Well, kind of, because Bellinger's side. Oh, so yeah. they gave, they devoted four minutes to that. How hmm. much, apparently none of the White Sox. Nothing. And they carry the White Sox <laughs> yeah. on ESPN. Play the stuff. hits, right? you got to play the hits. You're 100% right. And the Bears are the hit right now. Um, trading up is one I didn't think of.
2: Mm-hmm. Out of the nine, eight spot? Nine. Nine spot. Eight's Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. One of the wide receivers falls. Still there. All of a sudden at six. Oh, they have flexibility. They do,
0: Trent. And they've got a ton of cap space, as you mentioned. Do this, we believe in polls? Well, uh, do
2: you? I'll put it that way. I think so. I think there's been enough here that he is, and it's still early, but. Unfortunately for GMs, to, I mean, you just don't get a lot of time. Mm, no, you I mean, had bad GMs. I think of Wes Unseld in the NBA. He was an awful GM for decades. Mm-hmm. He just kept his job because mm-hmm. that's. Well, think of the bum with the Broncos. Russell oh. Wilson should have got you fired instantly. Oh, here we go. He should
0: have. Here we go. <laughs> George Payton, my God. Um, yeah, but how about Hunter coming over from the Vikings with the? Bears? I would love it. I guess. Yeah. A, it's a uh, divisional foe that you're mm-hmm. making worse anyways. Uh Trent's gonna make some picks.
2: Two and three yesterday. Two and three. Oh yeah. first losing day in a while. yeah, yeah we're we gotta we're adding a lot to the slate. Are you? you're still working on it? It's, are you It's a deep menu of games here today in college hoops. I haven't dinked around with the NHL or the NBA. this is all hoops, but we got eight right now. It's gonna be a heavy dose. So we got five basketball. minutes
0: before you come back before we come back and you make those picks. Will that we stay might at be eight? More. It may well be. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. Back to Miller and Condon on KXNO and Trent's pick of the day, presented by Circus Sports Iowa. All right, Miller and Condon, welcome back. I gotta tell you about Centurion Stone before we get to that. Centurion Stone, Midwest's largest. Centurion Stone Dealer. That's right. That's the folks at Centurion Stone of Iowa. Manufactured stone made from natural stone patterns to give it that authentic look. The showroom is at 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. 5520, 5525 Northeast 22nd. They do have Saturday morning hours. For you, for those of us who work Monday to Friday, they are open until noon. 8 to noon on Saturday. The showroom. Trends plays of the day. Circus Sports sponsored. First losing day in a while. wasn't bad. It was too and three but it mm-hmm. is a losing day after all tc
2: eight picks go all right we're nine um nine. and i just deleted one because the stinkiest line of the day which one was northwestern's getting six and a half in maryland that's uh. wait but everybody's on it i just looked at the public split. it's yeah it's like 89 percent of the bets and everything and yet it continues to move maryland's mm. way that's a stinky one i had to stay away and take that away all right on the big 12 we got a couple of plays here Give me Oklahoma State, UCF, different team at home. We talk about this all year long. Oklahoma State, how about the fight that they've been showing lately? I like this Okie State team, and at least they don't have the talent, but they're trying. I'll lay the two and a half with them at home. I'm going to take Iowa State tonight, lay the nine with the Cyclones against Oklahoma. I think they they got a little something waiting Uh for them. Missouri Valley, two dogs for me tonight. Give me the Missouri State Bears. I will grab them plus four and a half at Illinois State. And give me SIU at Bradley, plus eight and a half. That just feels like too that many. That is a
0: lot of points in that game. You
2: mentioned Xavier Johnson maybe playing for yeah. player of the year. I got Ole Miss tonight. They're getting five and a half at home against Alabama. We saw that hideous defensive performance from the Crimson Tide against Kentucky over the weekend. UVA, the Hoos, they can't score. B.C., I'll take a minus one. We'll lay it with Boston College. And then a little uh, lower ranks, if you will. Western Carolina, minus two. La Tech, minus one and a half. And Rice, minus the five. So we'll put them all together. Go in order. Get out your pencils. Here we go. Western Carolina, hmm. Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Louisiana Tech, Rice, Missouri State, Southern Illinois, Ole Miss, Boston College. A nine-pack of picks today.
0: Actionnetwork.com, if you miss them, you can uh, just search Trent Condon, and the picks are there and documented each and every day. Murph and Andy coming up next, the drive with Heather and Sean, 3 to 6. Huck Central tonight, it's Wednesday, sounds like that's got to be a go. Uh, We know that tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., local program begins with the morning rush. We're Miller and Condon weekdays, 11 to 1, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3, KXNO.